everyone this is another opportunity for you to bring in monday with some power we're going to be studying NCLEX topic delirium tremens if you want a review of this topic guess what it's monday we're doing how to pass NCLEX plus monday motivation hi there if it's your first time joining us my name is regina and i am an NCLEX instructor and i want to see you with your nursing license this year yeah i want to see you passing. So we have this topic that we're going to be discussing again. Hey, everybody, we are talking about delirium tremens. We're talking about delirium tremens. We're going to get to the topic. We're going to do questions. And um, I have a challenge for you guys today. Delirium tremens, you know, when we talk about um, alcohol withdrawal symptoms, they can range from minor to severe. And that's why there's so much education uh, involved with alcoholism for your NCLEX exam or even your exit exam. And so delirium tremens, when we talk about it, it is going to be looking at a severe form of alcohol withdrawal. But minor manifestations of alcohol withdrawal will include some anxiety, agitation, restlessness, insomnia, meaning the patient can't sleep, you will see the tremors, diaphoresis, palpitations, headache, and alcohol cravings. Uh-huh. You crave the alcohol. Uh, and oftentimes you are not hungry for food. Uh, and if you do eat, uh, you can experience the nausea and vomiting. And so these are just minor manifestations of a person who has become addicted to alcohol. Moderate and severe withdrawal syndromes can include the uh, hallucinations, seizures, and delirium tremens. And so with seizures and delirium tremens, these seem to be the life-threatening ones. So is frequent in people who are considered heavy drinkers. And what you will see, what you guys are going to see is rapid changes in the mentation. Yeah, rapid changes in the mentation with delirium tremens. And so also because of the physiological effects of removing the chemical alcohol from the body, the patient is going to have issues with their cardiac problems that can lead to heart attack, stroke, or death. Hey, everyone, you made it. This class is a live class. We do this every Monday. We get into it. This is a study session. Take notes. Take notes. So again, when we talk about delirium tremens, this is also known as withdrawal delirium. And we know from our psych review Okay, if you have your VT workbook, we do substance abuse in here, but we also are going to be doing psych psychiatric concepts and we're going to be looking at delirium. So anytime I'm talking about delirium, anytime I'm talking about delirium, we know that typically delirium is reversible. So you have mental changes, but it is reversible if you identify the cause. Hey, I have uh, nurse Bridget coming on here. She says, thank you, Regina. I use the VT. Ah, I took my NCLEX RN exams last week and I passed. Thank you, Regina, and God bless you. Oh, thank you so much. That is the motivation that I was looking for today. Uh, Bridget, I didn't know if, who it was going to come from, but I'm glad that it came from you and you took time out of your busy schedule to come tell us who are still studying that you indeed found success. So congratulations, congratulations. Um, I'm proud of you. Today, I'm just proud. I'm just settling into this moment. Y'all tell Bridget congratulations, because that's a big deal. That's a big deal. We all want to be there, but until we all get there, we're going to celebrate those of us who, as part of our community, are now officially REMAR nurses. Congratulations, Bridget. Okay, so we are talking about now the timing, the timing of this alcohol withdrawal symptoms you need to know this, okay? Because look here, the minor withdrawal symptoms are going to occur first. 
And this is kind of pushing our patient. Hey, you got to get some alcohol. You have to get some because the minor withdrawal symptoms are going to be um, the, the central nervous system. So they're going to have hyperactivity. So the, the central nervous system are, is going to be feeling the effects, the, the anxiety, the GI upset, the anorexia, the, the headache and the, the diaphoresis and the palpitations. And so that's gonna happen within the first two days, the first 48 hours. Now, if the person can get alcohol, these things will go away, okay? That's something to remember. So now alcohol has become necessity for these patients to live, function normally. Now, if the patient does not get, and then look here, the seizures are gonna come. The seizures can come within the first two days, okay? That's something to note. Now, if the patient doesn't, um, let me go back to talk about the seizures really quickly. So the seizures are, are usually tonic-clonic convulsions. And they can come between the 12 and the 48 hour time after the person has taken their last drink. Okay. And usually they are, um, there, it's like one seizure. We wouldn't expect the patient to be uh, continuously having uh, multiple seizures like status epilect epilecticus. They are not consistent with this type of withdrawal. However, if two days pass, then our patient's going to be in some trouble because they're going to start to have the hallucinations, okay? And this is, this alcoholic um, hallucinations, they're not the same as delirium tremors. They're not interchangeable. This is when the patient is at the earliest point before the actual delirium tremors begins. And so when you guys think about um, the severity of withdrawal from alcohol, it becomes a matter of if your patient is in the field and they cannot get a, a benzodiazepine or something else, the best thing that a nurse can do for a patient is give them alcohol. And nobody else may ever tell you that, but I'm telling you, that is going to be your treatment. And you think about COVID, you know, during COVID, a lot of stores and things were closed down and, you know, you couldn't get into banks and you couldn't get into other places, but didn't they keep those liquor stores open? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Because if we had stopped access to alcohol overnight, there would be so many ill patients that I would say that the situation would have been just as worse as COVID if you had going into delirium tremors, having alcohol withdrawal. And so if a patient is out on the streets and they don't want to go, she said, somebody said anyone in mind. Okay. Yes. Anyone, anyone in, in, in most cities. All right. And so the patient is out on the street, they are shaking, they're about to go into delirium tremors, they have a history of alcoholism. This, 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 giving them alcohol will get them to the hospital. If they don't get the alcohol, they may not make it to the hospital. They may die right there. And so there has to be a stigma that has to be lifted up with understanding and education. Because some patients are not just like consuming alcohol because they don't want to um, get their lives together. It's a medical necessity for them to have it in order to live. All right. So treatment. Think about this. Think about how important this is. Think about how important this is. All right. So when we get to delirium tremors, what? how worse can it be? How worse can it be? with delirium tremors because remember we've already had we've already had the the seizures okay now we're adding more things to it so what are we adding to it we're adding agitation we're adding a fever we are adding severe tachycardia 
the blood pressure goes up with the heart rate going up too. That's never good. Okay. Um, we have drenching sweats and hallucinations and typically uh, delirium tremors again was going to begin between 48 and 96 hours after the last drink or within about five days. Okay. And this situation can be fatal because the patient with delirium tremors, they're going to have significantly elevated cardiac activities. They are also going to have significant needs for oxygen. They're going to be, um, they're, they're going to be hyperventilating. Their, their respiratory system is going to be in an alkalosis state. All right. Um, there's going to be decreased, like I said, decreased cardiac activity, decreased blood flow. All right. And so these things are very, very complicated to treat outside of an acute care setting. You guys see that? These things are very, very complicated to treat outside of an acute care setting. So if our patient falls into alcohol withdrawal, we have to be able to identify it on the onset. So if they come into the hospital, what's one of the first things we ask them? And don't be shy to ask somebody this as a new nurse. Do you, do you drink alcohol? Okay, how often are you drinking? Make it a very, make it a very, a very easy conversation. So how often are you drinking? You drink three times a week and, and tell them this is important to know because if you are used to drinking alcohol and you don't get it inside of the hospital, then you can start to develop heart problems, okay? You can start to develop seizures. And so somebody who may be ashamed to tell you, if you say things like that, if you educate them, then they'll say, well, I am used to drinking three beers a day, okay? Or I do have a glass of wine in the morning when I wake up. And so that's something, hey, thanks for telling me. I'm going to address that with the doctor because this is a patient that probably needs to have something in place so they don't go into delirium tremors. So we're talking about here, we're talking about delirium tremens and um, the manifestations of that. So what are the risk factors for DT? What are the risk factors for DT? We typically see this with our older patients, okay? Somebody older than 30. And as I am older than 30, I'm just like, ah, that's me. I'm considered an, an adult, an older, not an older adult, but definitely an adult. <laughs> All right. Um, a history of sustained drinking, a history of alcohol withdrawal, seizures, somebody already who's had a history of DT in the past. And so your patient may not be telling you these things. And so that's why you have to be able to identify the signs and know the seriousness of it. The presence of a concurrent illness. Okay. We have the presence of significant alcohol withdrawal in the presence of an elevated blood alcohol concentration. Longer periods of unresolved alcohol withdrawal. Okay. And so um, typically more than two days after the patient has taken their last drink. Differential diagnosis. Now, as we move into next generation NCLEX, I'm going to be presenting you guys with these to think about more and more. And differential diagnosis is just what are conditions that can be similar to delirium tremens? What are conditions that NCLEX can say, do you know the difference between this or that? Or are more signs one thing than the other? So um, alcohol withdrawal, um, it is something that clinically can be determined, but there are conditions that look like delirium tremens because they have fever, mental status, right? And so when you get something um, like meningitis, you know with meningitis, you're going to have a fever. You're going to have an altered mental status. Um, if there is a trauma, so if your patient has an intracranial hemorrhage, you may get the altered mental status, right? Um, 
drug overdose. Yeah, absolutely. Hepatic failure and gastrointestinal bleeding can mimic delirium tremens or they can be a part of alcohol withdrawal syndrome symptoms. So when we talk about um, knowing signs and symptoms, it's going to be important. It's going to be important for us to really understand not just not just how a disease process um, not we we have to understand not just terminology. Like okay, it's delirium, but we're going to have to be able to go beyond that understand actually what happens to our patient and then how all body systems are involved you say well with delirium tremens you have x y and z but with meningitis you only have x and y and so being able to compare and contrast is going to be really important for those of you who are taking next generation NCLEX. but 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 the goal right now is for those of you who can test to test um, so that you're not um, faced with the challenges of next generation NCLEX before your time has come. Right. So let's get into the treatment. Let's get into the treatment of delirium tremens. And the number one thing is we don't want our patients this situation. We understand that our patients are going to be um, coming into the hospital. The thing is, we, we understand that they're going to come in and they're going to have substance abuse problems. That's a given. I, as a new nurse, I was so shocked at the number of people who came in. I worked in Washington, D.C. That was where I first um, had my first nursing job. And I was on a respiratory progressive care unit. And I was shocked at how many people came in that unit with it, substance abuse issues. So addicted to crack, addicted to heroin. Um, and so by way of these things, you know, you get addicted to heroin, you're doing IV drugs, you're, you're at risk for cardiac issues, right? You're going to have um, inflammations of your heart and things like that. And so as a new nurse, substance abuse is something that's going to go right along with, and it doesn't matter if you're on a med surge floor, a respiratory floor, it don't matter where you work in, you have to understand the principles of substance abuse in America because it's a problem. It's a problem. So we don't want our patients to even get to the point of alcohol withdrawal. We want to be able to identify it and we want to be able to stop it. And so the, the treatment goals of delirium tremens is going to be to alleviate the symptoms and correct the metabolic derangements. Do you like that word, derangements? It just means irregularities, things that are not normal. When somebody is deranged, it means that their mentation, everything is off. And you're going to have a lot of metabolic challenges with your patient who has tachycardia, hypertension, increased resp respirations, all right, a lot of those. That's the word of the week. Let's try to use it today in a sentence somewhere else. Now, is great. We want to stop our patient. We want to manage them with their alcohol withdrawal symptoms. But what do we do for that? What does that look like in real life? And so it's going to be a lot of supportive therapy, supportive therapy. And that means when our patient comes in, hey, we have to decrease environmental stimuli. So that means that the patient should be low, okay? The environment should be because any unexpected noises, any TV ringing, going to create anxiety in our patients. It's going to increase their desire to drink. It's going to increase their oxygen demands. And we don't want that kind of issue. Right. Second thing is mechanical restraints. Oh, the, you know, restraints are, you guys know what we're talking about, putting restraints on somebody. Deal. 
it is a big deal. So mechanical restraints are temporarily necessary sometimes. Okay. And that's just in order to protect the person with DTs uh, from themselves and from their caregivers. Okay. Fluids, IV fluids. We will be using isotonic IV fluids because there could be some, there could be some um, volume deficits, fluid volume deficits. And so we can rapidly infuse, we can rapidly infuse isotonic solutions. And that's why they are the best to give for large doses of hydration. Vitamins, folate, folate and thiamine. Folate and thiamine should be administered because these patients are usually deficient in folate and thiamine. And there is a brain condition, a swelling in the brain that can happen called Wernicke's encephalopathy. And we go, we go over that in the virtual trainer student workbook. You need to know that for alcohol withdrawal. Okay. Glucose should also be given to our patients to correct um, and help treat their, their fluid needs and their nutritional needs. And it's, it's just something that's a part of the therapy. So this is supportive therapy. Now, the... The drug therapy is also important as well, okay? The drug therapy is also important as well. And remember everyone, we are remembering, we are studying, we are understanding the, the generic names, the generic names. And so in general, in general, Benzodiazepines are going to be uh, used to treat. And what are benzodiazepines going to help the patient with? When you think about benzodiazepines, what are they going to be used to treat? You should know all of these drugs. You should know like all of the class, the classes of drugs here, the benzodiazepines and what they're going to be used for. So they're going to be used for that agitation. And it's going to help the patient uh, not to progress. So you have the major ones, um, diazepam, lorazepam, oxapam. These are going to be used to treat alcohol withdrawal. And honestly, you guys should be asking for these medications. As a new nurse... When the doctor calls and asks how the patient is, say, okay, the patient's fine right now, but they have a history of alcoholism, or they just told me that they drink six beers a night. Can you write me an order for lorazepam? Okay. That is how you have to be able to navigate and protect your patient because you may get a patient, I mean, you may get a patient night shift like me, and guess what you're working with? new doctors, the interns. And so they may not be so quick to talk about issues that may arise. Was the nurse being able to be proactive and say, hey, make a connection between shift a whole lot better. If you could tell the doctor, Hey, can I get a, a PRN order for lorazepam? And the intern is like, yeah, yeah. Because very rarely will interns argue with experienced nurses. <laughs> okay. All right. So. Okay. So we're talking about, we're talking about the, um, the diazepams, lorazepams, and we are going, what's the number? 
And I also wanted to just talk about the chlor, um, chlorodizoxide. And this is another medication. And it is, it's like a, diaz, a benzodiazepine where it's going to help your patient going to help your patient not have the alcohol withdrawal symptoms. Okay. So when we talk about critical care or if a patient with DT should be admitted to the ICU, these are the reasons why your patient would not be, uh, for NCLEX, they'll say discharged or sent to another unit. If your patient has any of these things, they need to stay where they are or be transferred to the ICU, all right? These are the patients that need the interdisciplinary team. So if your patient's over 40, if they're having cardiac issues, any hemodynamic instability, so they're their blood pressure is extremely high. Their heart rate is extremely high. This is not a patient that you can discharge. And of course, if, if you're taking your next generation NCLEX and the nurse writes this in her nursing notes, this is something that you need to be able to highlight and cue, like that it is not okay. All right, patient has acid balance, acid-based disturbances, such as, what did I say, most clients with del delirium tremens are going to be, they're going to be in an alkalosis state. Okay. Electrolyte abnormalities are going to be present. Respiratory insufficiency, because they're going to be breathing very fast. And potentially serious infections. Okay, so wounds, trauma, urinary tract infections, these are going to be possible for our patient with delirium tremens. Hyperthermia. Okay, um, and I skipped one. Gas, signs of gastrointestinal pathology. So your patient who is your patient who has delirium tremens may also be at risk for what? Pancreatitis, GI bleeding. Also, you may have patients who have liver issues, okay? Liver issues because of the alcohol. Liver issues because of the alcohol. Some more things that we need to be aware of is the um, evidence of rhabdomyolysis, myolysis, and this is, some people say myolysis, but it's um, myolysis, and this is where you actually have what? Is anybody familiar with this condition? This is where you have the muscle breakdown, the muscle breakdown of a patient. So, you, you know, you have patients who are alcoholics, and they typically have very large abdomens, right? They have very large abdomens, but they have little skinny arms and legs and their muscles are wasting away. Their muscles are wasting away. So that is this condition. Renal insufficiency or increased fluid requirements, yes. Um, ICU or critical care would be a history of prior withdrawal complications, okay? If your patient frequently needs sedatives to calm down and even with the addition of alcohol or ethanol given, your patient still has symptoms of withdrawal. Great, okay. So that was our review of this situation here. Very important medically. Now, part of how to pass NCLEX are our NCLEX questions. And I'm going to tell you guys, we have a challenge here. We have Facebook and YouTube watching. And so we're challenging 
YouTube right now, there are over 300 people watching this. So I'm going to do four questions. And if YouTube can give us how many? Give us what? I'm looking for the audience. Okay. If YouTube can give us 70 likes, then we will do our bonus question today. So YouTube is on you. It's on you. All right. First question. We're counting on YouTube to give us the bonus questions. Smash that like button. Here we go. First question is this. The nurse, the nurse is educating a client who desires to quit alcohol drinking. The client asks what to expect 24 hours after ceasing alcohol drinking. The nurse's best response, the nurse's best response is what? Number one, it is expected that you will experience blank seizures. Two, Reassure client that nothing will happen until 72 hours after. Three, mild withdrawal symptoms may occur such as anxiety, GI upset, and palpitations. Four, hallucinations are expected, hence risk of injury increase. Okay, we are talking about, we are talking about what? We are talking about right now, 24 hours after a client stops drinking, they want to stop drinking and they ask the nurse, hey, what's going to happen to me within the first day? How bad is it going to get? All right, something we should know. And the correct answer is, I think you guys got it. There's no controversy here. We would tell that patient number three. Yes, exactly. Mild withdrawal symptoms are expected six to 36 hours after drinking secession. And so that's going to be um, evidenced by insomnia, tremulousness, mild anxiety, gastrointestinal upset, anorexia, headache diaphoresis and palpitations. It is no walk in the park. It is no walk in the park to stop drinking alcohol. Okay. Question number two. Hey, let me just say this. I asked for, I asked for 70 likes or 75. I don't know which one I asked for, but we're already up to 65. So YouTube, you guys are doing it for the group today. You guys get YouTube, come on with it, just a few more. All right, question number two. In the course of alcohol withdrawal, the nurse anticipates that delirium tremens come after. Here we go, this is it. Delirium tremens comes after, number one, seizures, two, headaches, three, hallucinations, four, fever. Ooh, I told you guys this. If you came to class late today, you may not know this. However, if you were here on time, you know the answer to this very, very, very important question. And I love it because I think we definitely, um, we, we definitely struggle with, where delirium tremens comes in. But I see you guys are holding strong. You're holding strong to your convictions. Okay. All right. All right. It is number three. Did everybody get that one right? I think everybody got that one. Mm, hallucinations. So delirium tremens comes after withdrawal hallucinations. Um, which can usually occur 12 to 48 hours after abstinence. Um, so this is going to be this is going to be the hallmark sign that delirium tremens is coming once they start hallucinating. Congratulations! Shout out to YouTube. Y'all are always holding it down for everybody. You guys unlocked the bonus question today. So hey, Facebook, shout out to YouTube today, huh? They did it. All right. 
Question number three is this, following an alcohol abstinence, the client is likely experiencing DTs as evidenced by fever, severe tachycardia, hypertension, and what? Is it number one, seizures? Two, agitation. Three, renal failure. Four, pruritus. Okay, this is where this is where this is going to divide us. I know it, but maybe not. Maybe not. Oh my goodness. Hey, look at what happens when you guys show up to class. I am I am so proud of y'all today. I'm seeing a lot of three out of threes. I'm seeing a lot of three out of threes. And this topic was something that we had to really go in depth with. I'm, I'm glad you guys are proving that you're going to be safe nurses. It warms my heart. It really do. Okay. And I don't have to belabor this because you guys know the number two is agitation is correct. Great job, everybody. Y'all might not even have needed the bonus questions. It seemed like you have a really good handle on this. It really does. And so when you talk about DTs, this agitation is a hallmark sign of the disease because there's an altered sense going on. All right. And so the, the brain is actually struggling to hold on to reality. It's a terrible disease. It's a terrible disease. Another question coming up. This is question number four. This is question number four. The nurse is taking care of a client undergoing alcohol withdrawal in the setting of hepatic cirrhosis. The nurse anticipates the drug of choice in order to prevent progression of alcohol withdrawal is... Mm, here we go. Number one, benzodiazepines. Two, diazepam. Three, chlorodiazepoxide. Or four, lorazepam. Now, let me tell you this. There is something here that is extremely important that has been added to give you a connection to the correct medication. So this is now a pharmacology question with a clue. And I'm going to tell you right now, number one is not the right answer. This question has given you a clue that you have not just a general. I'm talking too much. You have a specific patient here, guys. So typically when you have a patient with a specific condition, they want a specific medication for that reason. Okay. So you guys, one, it is not number one, guys. Okay. The correct answer is number four. Number four, and the reason why is because lorazepam doesn't last as long in the body. It has a shorter, um, it has a shorter half life. Some of you guys knew that about the medication, and some of you guys learned something today. Some of you guys learned something today. So I am. That's one of my goals. When you come, when you come here, you learn something. That's all. That's it. And I would rather for you to learn something now than not know it when it's time for you to take your exam. So that's another part of showing up. It's not that we know everything. Me as a nurse, still don't know everything. Been a nurse a long time, over a decade, still learning. And so you guys as well, show up, learn something, move on. All right. And you guys did... Um, you guys did meet our share goal for the bonus questions. So, hey, it's coming at you. But first, I got a Remar nurse, and she wants to tell you this. 
Good morning, everybody. My name is Tudulokwe Ipadiola. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I recently graduated my LPM program and it was a challenge for me. During my school years, I was um, not having a good time. I keep struggling. And then I came across Rema videos on YouTube. Wow, Regina has been helpful. I kept logging on to our Monday motivation, um, winning Wednesdays, and everything she does keep me in the loop to say I can and I will and I must pass in class. When I graduated my school in June of 2022, I enrolled for NCLEX um, and then I subscribed to the virtual trainer. Wow, virtual trainer has been awesome. It helped me through my journey to prepare for NCLEX. It helped me through to know a lot of things, especially with the quick fat. I was able to learn fast and um, assimilate as much information I needed to, to pass my exam. I took my exam on the 3rd of August. Um, I got a lot of select order applied and my computer shut down at 75 questions. I was scared, I was nervous, but I continued to believe in myself and it kept ringing in my head what Regina keeps saying, you must pass your NCLEX. And I thank God I passed NCLEX. Um, now I'm a Rema nurse, I'm grateful and I want to thank Rema team for the good work they're doing. To all other nurses out there struggling to pass NCLEX, I want to encourage you, hold on to your faith. Right now, things have changed. I've been putting my um, um, resume out for employment, and I'm currently using this book to prepare for interviews and job opportunities to come. It's also from Regina. Thank you, Regina. It says a lot about interview and my first shift, what to expect and how to prepare to be a good nurse. Thank you very much, Rema team. And I continue to pray God be with you. You can and you will and you must pass in class. Hey, before I do the bonus question, I just want to shout out to nurse Apadiola. Did I say that right? I hope I did. I am super proud of her. Um, and not only did she understand her assignment, like understand that like you're not literally finished with your nursing education until you pass your NCLEX, like that you got to do what you need to do. But after she got NCLEX done and out the way, she's like, I want to be prepared to be on my job and do what I need to do. So she got first shift, which um, I always happy to see my new nurses with first shift is the book that I wrote to help you prepare for your first job. And she said she was using it for the interview. And you guys know I did um, travel nursing. So I interviewed a lot. Like when you decide to do travel nursing, you have to interview every time you start a new job. So typically my assignments were like six weeks. And so every six weeks I had to interview with a new hospital um, to get a new job. And so all of those interview questions, they're the same. They're the same. So I put it in this book, what they asked you and how you should respond. All right. So New nurses, y'all make me so happy. I'm so proud of you guys. Even those of you who showed up today and just studied and said, this is what I want to do. So as promised, thank you, our YouTube users. The bonus question is unlocked because of you, because of you. So here's the bonus question. The nurse is assessing a client undergoing alcohol withdrawal. Which of the following factors places a client at risk? For critical care. Number one, hypersensitivity. Two, bone fractures. Three, supplemental oxygen dependent. Four, history of hysterectomy. Okay, okay, okay. Bonus question, what do you guys think it is? I see some ones on the screen. I see some threes and I see some people that are sure it's four, it's number four. And all of these things um, are important, but there is only one correct answer. And that is the way of NCLEX when it asks a question like this. And so we're looking for safety, 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 guys. Don't ever leave that thought when you're taking this exam, the safety answer here is, it's number three. 
clients with respiratory insufficiency already are at risk for critical care because we know alcohol withdrawal only increases your oxygen demand, only increases your oxygen demand. And so this client, I hope you guys picked number three. If you didn't, it's okay. We're going to keep studying. We're going to keep looking at these topics. So make sure we know them. Um, but it is important for us, you know, to think about safety. And that's why the bonus questions are so important because they are, they're going to be more challenging and they're going to require uh, just a little bit higher level of critical thinking. But you guys did it. A lot of you did get it right. And again, this is our training session. This is our training session. So we are here to learn. We are here to learn. And guess what? As we are learning, we are opening up our live classes again. And I'm so excited that I'll get to meet some of you in person. I will be on the West Coast. I will be on the West Coast next week. So September 12th, you guys see my location. September 19th, I am taking the first Next Generation um, NCLEX review to the big island. And um, I know for my, my LA class, you guys are already signed up for it. Over, over signed up for it, actually. I think we're on a wait list now. So join the wait list because if we have people who are not able to attend, we will open up those seats. Remember, if you are coming to the class, the first 100 students will get a free Remar Nurse study package and it's Next Generation study package. So there are going to be some goodies. I was working on them today. And um, if you have not signed up for it or if you want to um, stay in the loop and also suggest your city, uh, then please go to remarnurse.com forward slash live, okay? remarnurse.com forward slash live, and you will be able to see my next destinations. But this is the first next generation NCLEX review that, that, that is coming out. And I'm so happy that our company was able to launch this review. And so um, LA, I'm coming to you, Hawaii, Honolulu, I'll be there. And then I will be making my circuit around the globe, around the globe. So make sure that you guys stay connected right here because I want to see you in person. The classes are going to get bigger. I think there's about 200 in LA and almost 200 in Honolulu who will be coming. So that's what I want. When I drop in the city, I want everybody to come out so we can study together. And this class is free. So I'm trying to make it super easy for you guys because that's how we get down here. It's about showing love. It's about showing love to our community and encouraging you guys. You get your license then we can say we're successful. So we need to do whatever we can for you to get your license. That's the goal. Monday motivation, work hard for success, work hard to be successful. That is a given. You have to do it. Um, when you think about it, um, today is what? <laughs> Did you know that laborers are an important human factor in a country? All right. Um, and so without somebody laboring, without the labors of a country, it would not be able to stand in place. And we have very important people right now who are farmers and, and, and they grow crops for us that we enjoy. And we think we just go to the grocery store and these things are magically there. No, there's a process where people are actually laboring to produce food for us. Shout out to all the farmers, man. Shout out to the people who are in the fields outside grinding, pulling the fruit, um, you know, preparing the ground, planting the seeds, like they never get recognized enough, never get recognized enough. And so on September, um, well, actually today, today we are celebrating Labor Day. And this is where we recognize and appreciate the social and economic achievers of people, our fellow Americans who are out there working for us. And yes, that, that includes nurses, absolutely. But there are also other service people, um, our law enforcement, uh, other first responders, our construction workers, our teachers, right, that have a very, very hard job. So these people, you included, you're out there too. 
They have given their sincerity and hard work every day, not just to give pride to our country, but also to themselves and their loved ones. And so they, on Labor Day, it should motivate us to get our butts into the workforce to become nurses. All right. Um, they should motivate us for where, um, for we are them. Okay. I am them. And soon you will be them. You guys are probably already working, but I mean, as a nurse. Okay. And so work hard for it is only through labor and painful effort by grim energy and resolute courage that we move on to better things such as success, okay, such as success. So I do want to say happy Labor Day for um, to everyone out there. If you are watching for um, following, for following your, your dreams, your work, your sacrifice, um, all these things, all right? And I'll say this, and this is the thought that I woke up with this morning, is that all people dream, all people dream, but not all people dream equally. Meaning this, you have a dream and whatever dream is for your life, you can achieve it. But your dream may look very different from the next person's dream. Maybe the next person, you know, maybe they just want to have a house with two bedrooms and one bath and that's all they want. But you, you want a house and you want six bedrooms and you want five bathrooms and you want a play area for your kids, and you want a backyard swimming pool, and you want a barbecue pit, and you want uh, a movie theater in your house. And I'm saying all this to say that whatever you dream about, number one, nobody else has to say it's good or bad. Nobody else has to approve your dream, but you have to be the one responsible to make it happen because nobody else is gonna make it happen for you. So you have to put in the labor to get your dream to where it, it will be, okay? Um, but nobody else can tell you that you can't do it. And that's the beauty of it. That is the beauty of it. And that's the goal. So I'm telling you guys that you can, you will, and you must pass NCLEX. Like that should be the dream. That should be the dream, guys. I hope you enjoyed this segment. This was Monday Motivation, how to pass NCLEX. And I will see you guys on Wednesday for our Winning Wednesday episode. See you later. Bye-bye.